we ran the ball 16 times in the first half, 77 yards. We ran the ball 14 times in the second half for 36 yards. Georgia didn't go away from the run. The run was taken away from Georgia. Now, we could quibble about how many touches Holyfield got in the second half, and I, I, I will 100% agree with that. Now, for nothing, missing Ben Cleveland hurt, having Kinley hurt, hurt, and Isaiah Wilson still needs to get more in shape. <laughs> I, I mean, so what we saw on Saturday was the culmination of all the things we've seen all this season, a team relying on their talent up till now to win. So my third takeaway, and this might be the most concerning to me, never adjusted, never ever, especially offensively, never adjusted. What's up, Georgia fans? I guess the question today is, how are you doing? As for the three of us, we're okay over here, and this is episode 156 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall, and I'm joined today in studio by my two co-hosts, Will Leach, and the man you just heard in the cold open, Tony Waller. I think Tony did a great job in summarizing the struggles for Georgia versus LSU this past Saturday. Adjustments. It just seems like they weren't made from a coaching staff who had, frankly, won a lot of games by making the right in-game adjustments over the past two seasons. So yes, we get into it, and we get into what we think the causes of Georgia's blowout loss to LSU were. I, for one, feel a little bit better after recording the episode, much better than I did on Saturday evening or even Sunday morning, or even all day Monday. Tony and Will were at the game and provide a great deal of insight on everything from the total fan experience to what they observed on the field, and yes... We even hear from Tony about his amazing gastronomical experience in the French Quarter. So we'll just start the podcast with that as Tony takes us down his many dining escapades leading up to Saturday's tailgate in Baton Rouge. And thanks for tuning us in. We are here to help. Let's just jump on into it. Here's Tony to get us started. Other than the four hours of the game, it was a great trip. We had fun. It was uh, the guys we tailgated with were awesome. The house we were at the, the house, house was very nice. Yeah, it was very well done by Tony Waller of uh, putting it together. A unlike we had a good time in in, in uh, Notre Dame last year, but you know the house was like out there a little, which was fine. Which yeah, was really the fun. house was fine. But like to be that club, we were right off Magazine Street. Yeah, and it was really. Uh, I think I mentioned last time. Last time I was in New Orleans, it was less than a fun <laughs> experience. Much better experience this time. Uh, very incredible. Very nice people. Obviously in the house, Tony accepted. And um, and to, to me, people kept saying like, "Wow, you're in New Orleans for like three days." I was like, That's like so long. When I'm in Vegas for three days. I can't handle it. But like New Orleans, I'm sorry, it's superior to Vegas in every possible way. It is one of my favorite walking cities. It's a great running city, but it's a terrific. Like, did you run? I, I did every morning. But um, you uh, did too. Will ran every morning. I mean, I walked to breakfast, yes. so that was... Yeah. And there was one more. We were really hungry, so we I, walked fast. Yeah, I wasn't the most funny because I, I was still working, so I was mm-hmm. like, still doing work while I was there, so they all were enjoying themselves a little bit more. But uh, New Orleans is such a wonderful city to like listen to music and just walk around. Yeah. It is an absolute... I'm in a, an intense Wilco craze right now. It's become like my perfect dad rock is Wilco. So... Um, uh, it's a perfect, perfect city to just walk around this in the Wilco. Terrific time. Really just kind of awesome across the board uh, until the game started. Which, which is fine. And we'll which get is to, fine. We'll get to all of that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Let's hear about your diet, though, throughout the week first. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sorry to all the people in New Orleans about the oyster shortage now. That's just the way things go. Um, yeah, I mean, we we literally ate. I I had a moment today right before I went to lunch like, Wow, it sucks not eating every two and a half hours. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we, we, we really did. We stayed around the corner. Uh, we saw uh, Napoleon between Magazine and Chupatulas, which is uh, where, if you know where Tipitina's is. It's like two blocks from La Petite Grocery. Yep. Yep. Like, um, yeah, and we had, um, there is a chain of restaurants of which uh, is a group, I say, of restaurants. It includes Cochon Butcher um, and then La Boulangerie, which apparently is a very well-known breakfast spot on Magazine, was literally a block and a half from yeah. the house. We, I think we got that every day. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah we, well, we walked up there and every day and got French pastries. They have an awesome breakfast sandwich, and that's how we started the day, and it went uphill from there. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, we, someone asked me today about the best meal I had, and I certainly thought the, the crab cheesecake at Commander's Palace, I'm sorry, Palace Cafe, was very good. Um the best, I think the best, the most surprising meal we had is we went to a place called Verdi Mart, which is, uh, I think, French for Green Mart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the far end of the French Quarter from Canal Street, and it literally was a corner grocery that had a row of shelves with, you know, like two things of soap and two things of dishwashing powder and two things of deodorant. Because it's New Orleans, behind the counter there was liquor, and then one far end was a um, a case with food in it, and we got the best crab cakes we had in a sandwich called All That Jazz, which literally had everything on it. It was a po' boy style sandwich, but it had roast beef, and it had um, andouille, and it had shrimp, and it had crawfish, and it was amazing, and then... We um, we snuck it upstairs at Muriel's and watched and sat over watching Jackson Square while eating sandwiches while drinking twelve dollar um, bourbons from Muriel's, and that was just that was just the lunch meals. I didn't count <laughs> that did not count the evening meals. Um, at the tailgate, I would I want to say once again thank you to um, Zach Rao and um, and Podcat. And all the guys at And the Valley Shook who hosted us during the day. Terrific hosts. They were fantastic hosts. I ended up my arm, a picture of my arm made it into the Baton Rouge Advocate because I was helping him make. The one where you said you were stirring macaroni? Stirring, stirring macaroni and cheese, right? <laughs> I um, saw that. They came around there. So you can see a picture, a great picture of my hand, uh, an action shot with a whisk. Um, and they were just couldn't. We were discussing driving back to New Orleans after the game how different the fans were than we thought they were going to be. Um, I've been over there once before, and it wasn't terribly rough, although it wasn't great. Um, I was really loaded for bear. And when I say loaded for bear, the way I deal with fans yelling at me and making fun of me is I just, I'm a, I'm a hugger. And it was like, hey, man, come on, let's bring it in. That's you, the way Tony deals with a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Well, I deal, yeah, I deal with that. I either eat or hug or both. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I got you know we got tiger bait a few times, but that was the worst we got. Because some of the reports I've read were pretty pretty bad. I, have I, mean, to say, I saw nothing. Yeah, like I saw nothing. Like that. I saw nothing like that inside the stadium or outside. Yep, the stadium. not inside the stadium. Okay. Um, I had fantastic seats. If you look and know what I look like, you will see me on the broadcast several times um, because we were sitting two seats over and two rows up from George's Tunnel. And that was that was awesome because I got to see the disaster up close. Um, but it was also a fantastic day. Will, you got to wander around a lot more than I did because yeah. uh, you went and saw some other folks. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. Right, right, right. I went around with my wife. We saw uh, saw UJ Carey. Uh, there was a big, there's a big debate at LSU. Uh, I think it really kind of about around the SEC now about corporatized tailgating. About the idea that uh, at LSU they have the like, first time this year they have these these basically these corporations that will that will you can rent out 
tailgate for the day. They have couches for you. They have a TV set up. It's all set up. It is the sort of thing, as I mentioned to Tony before this show started, that if I were a 20-year tailgater at LSU, I would absolutely despise. But if I am someone that goes there once every 13 years, uh, is maybe not the worst thing. Uh, I love the tailgate that that uh, in the Valley Shook had for us, but uh, certainly I can. this is going to be an issue in Georgia, I suspect, a couple of years. Someday, yeah. It's going to be an issue, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to totally dislike it then. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it kind of already is. They, they've already do, they're yeah. already doing that up at Reed, yeah. at the Reed Quad. But right? that wasn't necessarily a really popular tailgate spot before. No, it was not. And so, so they're taking over popular tailgate spots and making them corporatized? Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. I mean, so company sponsors it, and then you pay to come and just pay, hang out. It's, it's kind of what we did with the what they do with the Grove, yeah. uh, in Mississippi. You write like a you check; just, it's there. You write a check, and when you get there, they've set it up for you, and which is again very nice and very convenient, particularly in a school, sport uh, where people tend to are willing to spend for comfort. Uh, right. uh, in that, uh, it, it was nice. It definitely has a. But I found myself. Uh, when I went to the bathroom coming back and feeling like you're in one of those suburbs where all the houses are right next to one another in the same, I was like, which, which one of these is mine again? <laughs> right. uh, so there was a little bit of that, which will happen after a little bit of bourbon. Um, but, you know, I have to say I found the fans there as welcoming and as friendly as they were at Mississippi. I have to tell you, not, not, yeah. not everybody. I, I, I heard some stories. Not everybody having that experience. I might argue, uh, I can't speak to anyone's specific experience, I might argue that Georgia fans were in such a bad way at the end of that game that perhaps they may have had a quick trigger uh, for a lot of things because I certainly found, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, I saw more Georgia fans being jerks than LSU fans being jerks. Uh, not because I think Georgia fans are jerks, but because it was a really bad day. <laughs> and I think that maybe people were not in a good spot. I, no, I, listen, I mean, by that I mean I saw two Georgia fans being jerks right. and zero Georgia fans, uh, LSU fans being jerks, which will happen when they've wiped you out. But I found no one being mean to us. I found no one. Uh, I found everyone very friendly. And, uh, and uh, certainly the LSU fans were in a pretty good mood. Yes. <laughs> and they should have been. Yes. Um, all the stories you heard about New Orleans were true. Uh, about it, how much of a take, takeover it was? It looked like we were playing in the Sugar Bowl there. It was awesome. That's yeah, amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I did not participate in the second line that happened uh, on Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, whatever day it did. But there were, it was literally impossible to go in any place, anywhere in the Central Business District, um, in Harris, certainly, um, or in the... Um, I mean, we even saw people out at dinner. Y'all went and grabbed pizza when we got mm. back. Um, we went to Superior Seafood, which mm. is on Napoleon up at just past Britannia. Um, and half the people in there were Georgia fans. Yeah. And we got plenty of Go Dogs. I mean, I will say, Georgia fans, I mean, even we were getting Go Dogs in there because we were all still wearing our game day right. stuff. Um, but it was, it really was exactly what. You thought um, 15, 20,000 people? 15. 15. It was hard for me to see because I was in the corner uh, looking across at, uh, it was all LSU because LSU students were kind of directly across from us or or down the end zone across from us. Um, But I had uh, talking to Wayne and Tiffany, that's what they thought too, just because the you see, you know, you when you get up high, they by the way, they sat in all you can eat seats unintentionally. They just that the seats they got were high. Um, they what they liked about it, of course, is that you could see everything develop in front of them. What they didn't like about it is that um, you could see everything develop in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they were a little concerned when they um, they were a little concerned when the oxygen was served in the second uh, second <laughs> quarter. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I will say when it comes to Georgia fans uh, traveling, I uh, on Thursday night we went to go see my old friend. 
and uh, Brett Dykes, who uh, stirs the energy of Uproxx. If you know Uproxx, uh, he used to write for the New York Times Magazine, known as Cajun Boy in the early blog days. Uh, we, he's an f- old friend of ours, both my, me and my wife, sit from New York. And we went to go see him, and he would spend the rest of the weekend texting being like, Texting saying, I have never seen this many road fans in New Orleans ever. Wow. And that includes, that includes the Sugar Bowl. That, like he said, it, there was a palpable Georgia presence everywhere you look. Because he lives, he literally lives in the French Quarter. He lives oh, right in the quarter? Square. Oh, wow. So uh, like we literally sat on the porch and had drinks and watched right, right by, uh, right by the, the museum there. Oh, wow. So yeah. he's like literally right there. And, uh, and he said they just absolutely took it over. So, uh, and y'all got there Wednesday, right? Uh, Wednesday night, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. And so could you see it growing Thursday, Friday, Saturday? You probably saw more of it. You were out a little bit more. Yeah, um, we, I, I, we, we didn't see some Georgia fans until later on the, in the day on Wednesday. But yeah, it was, it was, there were Georgia people there already Wednesday. We had other Georgia fans on our flight Wednesday morning. Um, and to, to hear tell it, there were an increasing number of Georgia fans on every flight that went to New Orleans. We drove back yesterday, and it was... Um, well, I mean, you saw far more Georgia plates on I sixty five between Mobile and um, uh, Montgomery than you did than you did uh, any other state, including Alabama. Um, you know, just just a quick aside: we stopped and got gas between Greenville, Alabama, and Montgomery, Alabama, and you know, of course, Bama Bro shows up with a hat and laughing <laughs> and stuff, and I'm like, um, you know, hey, it's. Alabama was bad when you were just a Duke fan. So <laughs> oh, that's you know. a that's a good comeback. Um, yeah, no, I whatever. But that was the only time I really got fired up about it. Well, yeah, Alabama looked good again. I don't know if you got to see any of the game, but uh, they kind of ran away from Missouri and then just kind of put it in back in second gear or something like that. Especially after Tua went out with a little of a knee issue, but I think he's going to be all right. But, um, but yeah, it was just it was a great Saturday to watch. Yeah. College football, there were oh, a lot yeah, of upsets. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And games. if you're a, like, I, I went to the gym this morning and I talked to a friend of mine who's a Clemson fan. He said it was the greatest weekend ever because they weren't playing and he could just sit back, oh, yeah. relax, watch, watch everybody fall away, watch all the carnage happen. Well, I mean, like, honestly, you can make the argument the best week, the, the team that had the best weekend played the worst, which was Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They played terribly, yeah. yeah, but they won. Yep. And now the field just looks totally cleared out for Notre Dame. It really does. I don't, I don't see them. I'm, although, I mean, I, I predicted them to blow out Pittsburgh this week. So, but I still, I just can't see them losing another game. And so, really, what that does is it, it, it let's go ahead and assume that Notre Dame is going to win out. That takes away. One of those spots. So really, there's there's five conferences fighting for three spots. Really, there's just four conferences fighting for three spots. The Pac-12 is done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, However, you know what? And maybe it's time to get into the game a little bit, or at least get into where Georgia stands. Anyway, Um, we have been kind of talking ourselves into the idea. Like, listen, they can win out and still lose the SEC championship game. Now it's just nice and simple. Like, you have to win the SEC championship. Yeah, yeah. Like now, there's 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 really no question about that. Now it's hard. I th- I think at this point you could argue that a one loss Notre Dame team might get in over uh, over a Georgia two loss team. Um, um, it probably depends one who the loss is yeah. to. If the loss to Alabama, I mean, and I'm going under the assumption that Georgia wins out. And no, loses to Alabama. No, I don't mean Georgia's lost. Notre Dame's lost. No, no. Well, well, yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, I still feel like a one loss Notre Dame. They want that to happen. They oh no, they're dying. They, Notre Dame in the national and after, championship. And after the two SEC team last year, yeah. it's just I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't see how any Georgia two loss team could get in, regardless, unless all chaos breaks. I mean, well, the two loss Auburn team almost got. There are ways. There are ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's 
let's since we didn't do a podcast yesterday, let's yeah. post more on the game a little bit, and then let's let's let's, let's talk about let's talk about the 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 six games before this mm-hmm. and what it means going forward yeah, and what we know now and what we now know and right. what we were pretending not to see. Perhaps. Well, I think some of us were. We talked a little bit. Yeah, we, meaning me, talked a little bit about how uninterested we looked. And I got put on blast for that, and so here we are. Um, so let's let, let's frame it in these terms. There are, there are three big takeaways that I took away, and there's a bunch of little takeaways, but three big takeaways. The first is, is that, um, and Bill Connolly's stats, stats bore this out, mm-hmm. the defense still played a lot of bend, but they broke three key times, right? When I went back and watched the first three quarters, I didn't watch the fourth quarter, I watched the first three quarters, Georgia, by and large, was bottling them up and had Orgeron not grown a big brass pair and clanked them together. The game turns out differently. Now, you have to give him credit. You have to give him credit. There was one time where there were two bad spots in a row that contributed to a first down. Let's put that one aside. There was a blown coverage between, I don't remember who it was now, where uh, it, it looked like a wheel route and watching the play again. Nope, nope. It was one of those. Oh, yeah, Campbell. Was it Campbell? Mm-hmm. Where Campbell and, was it Reed or? I don't know who the safety was, but Campbell played. Yeah. He basically yeah. was playing cover two and went yeah. to the flats, and yeah. the guy went right by him. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a 52-yard uh, pass that turned into a touchdown. Um, the second was the 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 missed assignment and bad and missed tackle on the little um, Hallier, however you say his name, Hallier, um, up the middle for 57 yards that got to the three-yard line. Well, it's because they, they had nine in the box, it looked like, on that. Right. You have nine in the box. You have to make the tackle if you're the last guy. Um, and then, of, of course, the third was the, the blown coverage on the edge that allowed um, – I assume Joe Burrow is still running, but if he <laughs> we've I, all seen the 50, gift at this point no, of, nine him, of him uh, of him breaking the tackle. I haven't I seen Spencer that. Hall. It's yeah, it's not great. It's, really it's not great. Not pretty. But I mean, but those those three plays, those three plays counted for a third of all their yards. A third of all their yards. They ran eighty four plays. Now I'm not I'm not one of these. You take those three plays out, everything's different. But their average yard per play outside of those three plays was in the neighborhood of 3.6 yards. Now, again, I'm not trying to take away from that because what we saw Saturday is frankly what we saw against Missouri, mm. is what we saw against Tennessee, what we saw against Vanderbilt on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, which leads into, I don't know if your second point is, but then the difference here is the offense was different. Mm-hmm. That's where that I was going. Is the next point. The, the next point is because the offense gave them the ball back so many times, that allowed them to run. 84 plays they run 60 plays like us i think we win maybe not maybe not but i think the game is a different game. it's a 10 point game at the beginning of the fourth quarter 100 yep, yeah. although it felt like we should have been down 28 and i was telling everybody i was watching with you know as, as i was trying to will ourselves back even when we were down 16 nothing i was like look if we come back and, and make this a touchdown game or something lsu is going to be looking around like with the pucker factor going like we should have put them away yeah. and there was a moment there was a moment when 100 percent where you thought okay here, it is. here they go. Yep. Here they come. He was wide open on that touchdown. That was an easy touchdown. He thought, okay, here they come. Here it's happening. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, that sack really uh, wait, kind wait. of put the nail in the coffin. Um, so, is that you? <laughs> so, the oh, second. Um, I don't know what that was. Oh, it was the, my GoPro. Your GoPro is voice activated. This is the uh, new GoPro 7. Did go, you t- GoPro turn off. Oh, it won't turn off. Yeah. Go, GoPro, turn off. Turn off? GoPro. Oh, wait. I got to stop it recording. GoPro, stop.
<laughs> GoPro, Go. GoPro, do what once. Isn't there just a button you can push? No. <laughs> well, it's buttons, more, it's buttons more, are so 2017. It's more fun to voice activate. No, this is the this is the GoPro Seven. It's ah, very exciting. Very cool. Yeah. So, talking about the offense, I've heard a lot of people talk about we got away from the run. Blah blah blah. We get away from the run. They stopped the run. We had two drives where we threw the ball, although we dropped the ball three times on that one drive, and we ran the ball fine. And then they changed the gap coverage, and they started doing different personnel groupings. Uh, and look, there's a reason Dave Aranda is the highest-paid coordinator in college football, right? He's really good at this. Um, what he did with two deep and quarter coverage just really bum-fuzzled Fromm. And it, frankly, it bum-fuzzled our yeah. Our, our our receivers and bum fuzzled <laughs> and right i mean we just had no yeah. answer for that um look we ran we ran the ball 16 times in the first half 77 yards we ran the ball 14 times in the second half for 36 yards georgia didn't go away from the run the run was taken away from georgia now i we could quibble about how many touches holyfield got in the second half and i i, I will 100 agree with that um and not for nothing, missing, I think, missing Ben Cleveland hurt. Um, having Kinley hurt, hurt. Um, and Isaiah Wilson still needs to get more in shape. <laughs> I, I mean, so you know, what we saw on Saturday was the culmination of all the things we've seen all this season and a team relying on their talent up till now to win. So my third takeaway, and this might be the most concerning to me, never adjusted, never ever especially offensively never adjusted there were a couple times where we ran just slightly different pass patterns but we kept doing the same thing over and over expecting lsu to go back to what they had shown all season and frankly you got to give them credit they they're like if you're going to beat us some other way you can but you're not going to beat us this way and that's what happened you know what the coaching you know we've talked about how they look different and we should have all seen this coming and i think there's something to that I would also say that the co- this was the first game this year and I think last year where you watched them and it felt like remember how frustrated everyone was with the coaching staff after year one and yep. how like the offense was too conservative and like wait they're running that play again at the end of Vanderbilt and all that stuff where we started to get really really worried that was what you saw in this game so I think the idea that uh, Kirby's got to coach them up, and they haven't. And it's a young team, and they haven't. Uh, no, they're not the team they were last year. They've got a lot of growing to do. All of those things are true. I think it is also worth noting that I think there were big coaching regressions in this game. The biggest high profile one, of course, is the is the Rodrigo fake field goal, which I have to say made me actively furious when they did it. I didn't understand. I, I understand. I've come around. I have not I've come, come around. around. I've not come no, around. No, no, I've come around to your point. Yeah. Because I, I was like, hey, I kind of liked it there. I mean, right. I think I tweeted, I love it. Yeah. But, I think it's one of those things in theory. Yeah. I kind of like it, but not there. And it seemed to like. It seemed not only too clever by half, half, but seemed to be missing kind of the facts on the ground already. It reeked of desperation in the first quarter. Yeah, and or or it reeked of we're going to waste these guys anyway, and look how uh-huh. smart we are while we do it. Let's go have fun. And 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 to me, that already, regardless of the fact they were up three zero, already you could tell. Yeah, this is different. Like you, like it felt to me. You've heard a lot of people saying. Oh, well, Georgia, you know, they won all those games last year. The players just thought they could go out and do it again. That move felt like that to me for the coaching staff. Yep. I felt like there was a lot of stuff like that where, where they felt like, you know what? 
We got this. They feel like, frankly, the way I was talking about this game last week. They haven't looked great yet. They haven't figured it all out yet. But you know what? They've got more talent. We've seen this coaching staff be able to do it. They're going to be fine. And it's okay for me to think that because I'm an idiot on the outside. It's just like, yep, I'm sure that's the way it looks for me. For the coaching staff to have that idea is maybe the most concerning thing of all of this. Because you can see a young team figuring itself out. Totally understand that. But... For the coaching staff to pretend it's still 2017 via science or magic uh, is maybe a little bit more worrisome. Yeah. What, what did it do to the crowd? I mean, it sounded extremely loud once that failed field, fake field goal happened. Did that just kind of get them all ginned up like they weren't already? But did that kind of carry over? It to- definitely made it feel like – remember, going into this game, Georgia has been – like, Georgia's lost, uh, lost, the, lost the Auburn game and then lost the Auburn. Like, Georgia's been the toast of college football for a year and a half. Yeah. Like, they have been – they're the new Alabama. They're the, the East Alabama. And LSU is – Orgeron's going to get fired. Right, and All right. of this stuff. And – it felt like the Russian is cut. It felt yeah. like it felt like <laughs> it felt a little like you know what these guys they're like they're not like I'm sorry Saban doesn't run that play call like Saban doesn't run that play call no and, he didn't have a competent kicker and too. Yeah, that's true <laughs> and yeah he actually have an excuse to run it yeah. and for me that's what it did in the crowd was it made you think oh wait Georgia might not actually know what they're doing right now. And that's what it felt like to me. And I suspect that's probably what it felt like to both the LSU fans and the LSU staff. And you saw the result of it. It was like, oh, we, we're fine here. And I think that... So to me, it was a dumb call. But really, even if it, if it would have worked, I'd have been excited about it. But it felt like weirdly both too confident and too desperate. And too dangerous time. to yeah, get your all-American too, kicker yeah. hurt. Yeah. Another symptom of that part, that particular illness is that, um, well, maybe it's not a symptom of illness. Maybe it's just me. Like I was convinced we've been holding back plays yeah, and yeah, that's right. clear that had not been happening or right. Cheney's really playing a long game. Um, be a really long, really game. long, long game, <laughs> long game. Um, but you know, it was clear, very clear. LSU had been. Now I haven't watched all of LSU's games. I can only talk about what Danielson and uh, Nestler talked about and what other people have said, but they had not run that particular defensive look all season. <laughs> um, and my guess is, is they were like, we know we can run this and it might be a little bit of a risk doing so because if they move us off our box, there's eight yards of carry there every time. Um, but their defensive line was good enough against our offensive line to prevent that from happening, and you took away from from didn't have a good game. Um, Fromm's receivers not. did not help him yeah. at all. He, they did not help him, but um, that from was not good. No, from was, was off. From was definitely off. If the receivers were awesome, he still would have been bad. Well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, we we could quibble about how that. many if, times. How many times did they hold the ball too long? Four, or the four, five, four, yeah, yeah four, yeah. five, ten, like four, hold, and obviously that one sack was particularly brutal. That was egregious. Yeah, and but there was a lot of the thing is like it's funny. If you look at the stats, from has been really good all year. Yeah. His completion percentage is really high, um, and he's not, he's not turned the ball over too much. He's generally been fine. That thing from last year, the I'm flipping the ball around, mm-hmm. and I'm cocky, and I'm like. It feels more muted. I don't know if that's something that's been coached into him or that's something that Fields being there. But like last year, Fromm had the feel of a guy that was playing with house money. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't even think I was going to be playing this year. I got it. And to me, like the greatness, like to me, we all talked about how insane it was that he would flip the ball in his hand when he was going back to throw. But that was also kind of the country awesomeness of Fromm, right? And he did that a couple times this game. Yeah, and, 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 but it doesn't feel like he doesn't feel like he doesn't have that riverboat. And listen, he wasn't like a gambling guy last year, but it just kind of felt like like out of a Hollywood movie. Yeah, he's type like, thing. I got this last year, and it doesn't. Feel like it definitely didn't feel like that on Saturday. It hasn't really felt like that all year. I don't again. I don't know if that's Fields. It's not like Prom has been bad. He has not been bad. Yeah, but it, that that kind of. I'm just of course like of well, course I'm the guy. Even even the flea flicker. I mean, he had him, and you I could blame it. You, you could blame it on Robertson, but after seeing yeah. the replay, it was he a bad throw. It. He was wide open. He underthrew it. Yeah, straight up underthrew it. I mean, there's no way. I mean, that was. I mean, he underthrew several balls. Yeah. He forced balls we hadn't seen him force. Um, so the the big question still the the plan is we have no plan. We're going to rotate in the same series. Yeah, we should we're, talk about this. I yeah, mean, yeah, I, I, I know I know that talking about quarterback stuff is we've been doing it for like three years now. But I got to say, to me, the problem is not so much it should be Fields or it should be From as much as I actually don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't know what <laughs> right. they're doing. And I, last year there was a clear plan. It was also a plan that evolved. Like after a certain while I was like, you know what, we don't need to, we don't need to put Eason back in the fourth quarter. From's got it. We don't need to like pretend that From doesn't have this. And I don't know if they were hoping that would somehow evolve itself into something obviously this year. But right now, like, I want to see Fields in there, but not if it's going to be like it was th- like this, where every single time there'd be anything going, Fields would come in and it would kind of – not that Fields was bad because he wasn't bad, but it would just kind of muck everything up and it would get get everybody out of rhythm and it'd be like, oh, wait, this is an obviously running play, I guess. It just felt disjointed in a way that made me think – I. Don't actually think they have a plan at all. And listen, this is what Kirby Smart said. We don't have a plan, but everyone was like, "Oh, you've got a plan. You have a plan for everything." And I think that's the worry now is maybe they don't actually have a plan. Well, one little note, I guess, maybe maybe in defense of the running plays, those nearly every one of Fields' calls were RPOs. Um, if you think about what Fromm was facing every time he dropped back, even on pass plays, it's not unsurprising that Fields ran the ball or handed the ball off because. Those looks were covered all day. Now, having said that, I agree with you that there is a level of concern that we should have about both how the quarterback situation has looked and how it's being handled. Now, I'm still Pollyannish enough to say whatever the, there is no, the plan, there is no plan. I trust them to figure this out. I honestly think they mean what they say when they say we're doing what we think gives the team the best chance to win. Now, we can easily sit over here um, or ride back from New Orleans or sit in our houses in Athens and say, oh, well, clearly that didn't work. Just give the guy a chance. That's, I, I agree that's not how it works. But the part about it that is concerning to me is that at some point, whatever the narrative is in the media – is going to become the narrative with the fan base if it hasn't already. And at one point, that becomes the narrative with the team. And that's to me, that's, that is what Kirby is worried about, has to be worried about. The coaching staff has to be worried about at what point does, does either do they lose the team or do they lose or just, you know, I, I mean. So you're saying he might would rather lose a game than lose the team? No, 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 no. I'm, what I'm saying is, is that until we get in a situation where Somebody somewhere in leadership comes to the coaches and says, a change needs to be made. 
or it is it becomes patently obvious to the coaches that Fields is better than Fromm in whatever that looks like. I don't and for like I don't think that's obvious. Right? No, I don't think it's obvious. Right. You're not gonna see a change. There comes a point where you have to turn off the vent, you have to turn off twenty four seven, whatever that is. You have to turn off that because it, it becomes very toxic. Having said all of that, there is I mean the baseball player situation at the end with the fields thing is not it's not great nothing here. It's like, not great. It's not nothing here. It's not nothing. It's not. But what I'm saying is is that it is purely about wins and losses. With Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart would start Kim. We're not going to go there, are we? No, I don't know. Kim Jong Un, <laughs> Kim Jong Un's son at quarterback. If he thought it would win, we could go Kim Jong Un. He's a yes. comedic character. He's yes, kill he, us all. yes. Uh, um, he, when he so, flush yeah. toilets, he can us all. <laughs> so, I've, so. Got a, I've got a question. I've got a question. What would have been the problem of of him in the third quarter, like leaning over to Justin Fields, say, "You've got these next two series. Let's see what happens." That, I think that's what the fans would have liked to have seen. Yeah, but, and I don't miss. Go ahead, Tony. It's not the fans' decision, yeah, and I agree. It's not the fans but asking the line of. I understand sure, that. Sure. I understand that. Here, here's what I'm saying. If Kirby thought that chance that that was going to give us a chance to win, he'd have done it. Period. But this is where we do should probably do the pivot, which is okay. When like we've had, even with the Auburn loss last year, we have now basically since the Notre Dame win, or even arguably since the Appalachian State win, been in a moment of. Ah, oh, they got this. Right. It's Georgia. We're the new Alabama. We're yes. the East Alabama. We got this run. Kirby Smart gets this huge contract uh, extension, which he totally deserved. So and did look, Gus. And then look at all these. Look at which all, he deserved. <laughs> and uh, and look look at all the recruiting classes and all the positive things. that Everybody's all excited about Georgia. Georgia is now elite. Georgia is now in that, that rarefied air. And that is all kind of based on this idea of they got it figured out. This has always been the thing, right? It's like Georgia is a sleeping giant. Georgia just needs the right guy to come in and get everything right. And that was always great. And clearly, like Kirby Smart has come in and done some incredible things and is continuing to do so. That still, we have talked about the fragility of this, the, the fragility of this fan base. We've talked about the idea that, like, everything is awesome, everything is great, everything is terrific, Kirby's got this until all of a sudden he doesn't. And then I look at the Bulldog Illustrated Instagram page today, and we're like, and it's like, we are disappointed with Kirby Smart for the three, these following three reasons. Really? Yeah, like, everyone, like, everyone's just, like, so mad. And, like, on one hand, I understand it, because that game was horrible, and that game was not only horrible, I think there were clear mistakes made by the coaching staff. And, 100%. And and so I think the, there's got to be blame put, put on them, and I think that they deserve it. And I think that you can ask some pretty big questions because of what we saw in that game. That's where you worry if things turn, right? Like it's one of, That's why you're talking, Tony, about the idea of like, hey, they got this, they're trying to win. And you're saying, yeah, but as a fan, I'd like to see this. This is where it starts. Mm. Like, this is exactly where it starts. That's exactly where this, all this stuff gets going, where the fans are like, why doesn't he do this? Run the ball, Bobo. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that people always do that we have not done for the last year and a half. We've all been like, yeah, we have, we've all, it's in the right hands. We're all doing good stuff. This is going to work. Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden you lose one game in very ugly fashion. Uh, mind you, against a top five team on the road in an incredibly difficult place to play. And everybody's like, is Kirby the right guy for this? What's going on? Is he handle this situation? This is why I people always like, well, Kirby Smart makes the big money. He can take it. This is what comes with the big money. This is what comes with the idea that you lose one game 
after winning, no one even noted that they were bowl eligible for crying out loud. Then you lose one game, you lose one game. and I noted that. I know, it's true. (laughs) You lose one game and everybody freaks out. When the fact is, as we talked about last week, if they lose this game. Everything's still. Everything's still in front of them. Everything, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, clearly, tons of work needs to be done to be able. Like that, that team looks like a team that's going to lose by forty to Alabama right now. Now, do I think that's the case at the end of the year? That's what you're judging the coaching staff on, right? That's what you're judging them on to see if they can improve from this and they can get better. But that this has been my fear all along about this. Well, we talked about this in the pre in the preseason show when I was with all my friends in Charleston from Columbus, and they're all like, "Kirby's got it, man. Kirby's got it." I'm like. Yeah, but see, this is exactly what you guys do. You lose one, and then all of a sudden, it's chaos again. And that—that that is what you th- I think you both have. I think that. We and by can, you guys, you mean fans, not fans, not not, and not Georgia fans, fans, fans. But I think Georgia is more prone to. This. I'm sorry, I think Georgia fans are more prone to this. Well, yeah, because Illinois football is not going through this. Yeah, Illinois basketball is always going through this. But uh, uh, Georgia, but Georgia football, is, Illinois basketball, like Georgia football, feels like it should be the number one program in the country all the time. And when it's not, it's the fault of those people. Except now we have our savior who's going to fix it all for us. But that, of course, is wishy-washy and, and prone to the whims of the world and everything else. And I guess that's my point here is that you're all, one loss. One loss after the amazement of last year is already seeing a ton of this. I can't believe they made that mistake. Here we go again. What are we going to do? And that's a kind of a scary place to be for a fan base that I think the success of the last year and a half has um, given the illusion that everybody's cool and everyone's fine. They're all going to be fine. And I think we saw with one loss, everybody's freaking out. Well, you know, and I, I will say in that Twitter thread that yesterday, that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. It's like we look like a young team with a young coaching staff who went and faced a well-prepared team um, with more senior and juniors and seniors at a very intimidating place to play, and we looked like it, period. Um, Safe to say, though, wasn't LSU going through the same thing we're going through this time last week? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think so. I think so. I, the, the, the thing that is different, and I think as we're talking about a little bit in the context of our game versus their game against Florida, is that they got zero, uh, they got zero breaks offensively. I mean, I'm sorry, on, on the turnovers. Um, not for nothing. <laughs> they, we helped them out a lot with that. No, they were, one of them was, was going to be a turnover either way because of Rodrigo had, got tackled. He's not nearly as quick as you would think. Um, uh, but you know, that interception was a great play by the, um, what out of the end zone. The, yeah. Out of the end zone. There's a great play yeah. Th- that, that only resulted in three, three points. That is when I thought, Oh my God, we're still can win this yeah. when they only got three points. Because yeah. that's we, our defense was in rough situations yeah. plenty of times right. and they answered it. And, and look, I get giving up 475 yards or I think it's what we gave up is a lot of yards. And I'm not going to pretend like otherwise. I'm not trying to make excuses for that. And people are like, well, 36 points. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Fine. But 84 plays. 84. It really just plays. like, it just collapsed at the end. It collapsed like, at the that, end. That, that, that's what well, that you, you gave them another field goal yeah. on the short field yeah. on when, we had somebody trying to be a hero. Do you take the knee in the end zone there? Get your get yeah. your offense at the twenty one yard twenty five yard line and go. Um, and I don't I don't really fault him for that. I don't. I fault him for fumbling the ball, but sure. um, of course I'm not getting hit by Grady Williams. The um, the part about it to me that 
that goes into the to the, the fan base conversation mm-hmm. is that I guess what I what what I'd like to see is a, a level of reasonable reasonableness that I just can't expect, mm-hmm. um, and this gets us into and maybe it's a good transition from this game to the next five. Um, you know, we do have everything in front of us and we go and beat Florida by 25, which is on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, or for that matter, just don't lose to Florida. Uh, <laughs> people are going to be wanting to crow again. And that's... The, you win the next two games. Yeah. I mean, particularly, I mean, next, I mean, look at, oh, we can talk about Auburn, but like all of a sudden, all of a sudden Auburn looks like the third toughest game they have left. Well, realistically, I mean, mm-hmm. I, because we did talk about this on the way drive, drive back yesterday, we, we win next week. The Georgia Kentucky game is SEC championship yeah, game, yeah. right? As we've seen, SEC East, East. Yeah. yeah uh, that, that game will be a, nearly a lockup to be the three thirty CBS game, um, which is great. Um, but Having said all of those things, um, you do end up in a situation where we were exposed Saturday to be the team that, if you were, would be really honest with yourself, that we look like for the past four games, right? And that's that's not good. That's not bad. The great news is, is Kirby's recruited in a level that allows him to win those games. Um, the bad news is, is that we still have at least one team and probably two more teams who will be able to match us physically. And is there a possibility we lose one or both of those games? Absolutely. If that, I mean, what happens? We'll have plenty of time to talk about this, I suppose. But what happens if they don't win the SEC East? Which oh, is people, on the table. Yeah, people are going to be disappointed, and it's going to be I mean, ugly. It seems like no, no, no. I want to say disappointed. It's going to be ugly, right? But I think also there is there are two things going for Georgia in this regard. The first, the first is is that if you lose SEC East with um, basically LSU competing against Alabama, and that's one of your losses, and then you lose to either Florida or Kentucky or both, and both of those teams finish up with nine or ten win seasons. I'm not, I'm not, I, I've always thought you have to look at who you lose to, right? Losing to a four and eight Mississippi your first season is terrible. That is awful. So that awful. team was good at the time. That team was okay <laughs> at the time. Um, so, I, yes, will people be apoplectic? Of course they would, because somebody somewhere said that Georgia should win the East, no problem. Well, that, that didn't, that I wasn't mean, taking things into account. somebody, somewhere. I mean, that's clearly the expectation that was set down. Yes, of course it was. Yeah, And not um, just from like... Unreasonable fans. I mean, yeah. clearly, this has been the idea. And yeah, I, agree. I think that's one of the reasons people are so upset about this loss. It's not just that you lost LSU. If this were like a great game, LSU were just awesome. Everybody wants. Everyone thinks they're Alabama. We've talked about this literally for the show for the every single show we've done. Georgia wants to be Alabama so badly, and Alabama doesn't lose like Georgia lost on Saturday. Even when Alabama loses, they don't lose like they used to. They but not anymore. To. They have. They have under Saban. Maybe well, under Saban in like the first in the first couple of years. Last, yeah. last year against Auburn. Yeah, Auburn they lost better not as badly as Georgia lost as Auburn last year. Maybe. Yeah. I, 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 okay. But I, I see your point. I see your point. Um, but I will tell you that one thing that I think all of us should remember is Saban's had one undefeated season at Alabama. And I think it's important to think mm-hmm. about what think look at how we rebound from this next week or two weeks from now, I think we're going to beat the hell out of open um, <laughs> how we rebound against Florida and Kentucky and how we look uh, because there are obviously some things to fix. And most in part, some of that starts in the coaching box. Uh, but some of that does start with how we manage game shifts and changes. I mean, you know, we, 
I heard somebody say or saw something about uh, Kirby got out coached. I have Tom last year the national championship game. Fine, that's against that's against Nick Saban, and I, we could quibble about that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe and not. Got out coached because he put in the guy that's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Go Probably away the next two year. next two years. <laughs> right. um, so you have a um, you have to be careful about that narrative. That does lead me to kind of thinking about. You know, this is a season-long final. Is Kirby the coach, capital T, capital C? He got a bad grade on it, or at least this section, because um, there were not adjustments made. And I can't help but to think they also knew that they are facing the same struggles. Um, because if you and I, the three of us can see it sitting here in Scott's basement, you know guys paid $4.5 million mm-hmm. a year see it and are worried about it. Now, he's never going to say that. But this is the truth. And that's to his credit, and that's one thing I like about Kirby, is that he doesn't he doesn't alibi, he doesn't throw his assistant coaches or his players under the bus, um, like some people we know, like Bobby Petrino or maybe Gus Malzon. Um just to name two. Boy, Petrino's in a happy place right well, now. Wow, <laughs> things going well for him. Um the the other part about it is that he just can't come out and say, guys, we don't have we don't have the leadership on the team and we don't have the and that loops nicely back to Fromm as Everything I've seen, everything I've read is that Fromm is the one one kill the team that is the leader. Yeah, I mean, the and, teammates love him. Mean, and the yeah, teammates the quote, love him. The quotes him. from Swift after the game were yeah. reinforcing that. And if you don't, you only have one of those, it makes it real hard to bench him, too, if all things are equal. Well said. But they would have said the same thing about Jalen Hurts, by the way, how I did last year. Although Jalen's catching passes now. Yeah, to really yeah they're just a weapon. Like, they're just out of control yeah. over there. But the point is, is you know what? It's really been a while since we had. The last, the last game Georgia lost, we were so upset we didn't talk about no. it for like a week and a half. Afterwards. Although uh, the question was put out there, would you rather lose a game like we did against LSU where you knew about it or you kind of expected it versus losing the way you did at Alabama? I would take the way we lost to LSU all day long. No. I have to say I kind of agree with Tony on this nope. one. Really? I, I, and I, I, I pushed back on that yeah. the other day when you said, I was like, no, yeah. getting housed all day sucks. Yeah, yeah but you get over it. You're, you're, you, can, you can move on. I mean, you get over it if you win a bunch of games afterwards. But if you don't win a bunch of games afterwards, then because, again, this comes back to what we all talked about. I'm talking about, about the, the Saturday of the game, yeah. how you feel afterwards. I felt, I mean, I, I moved right on past it. I wouldn't I say mean, I moved right on past it, but I'll say that, like, we talked about this a bunch, right? That like the thing that helped everybody move past the losing in the worst possible way you can lose a game is that's okay. It was your article. Cause it's going to be next year. It's going to be next year. It's going to be the year after yeah. it's going to be all of that. Like we know our, our time is coming. So that's why games like this, I would argue are actually worse because they make you think, wait, maybe our time isn't coming. If you lose like this and you get wiped out like that, like you lose to Alabama that way, it's obviously very painful. But holy crap, you like lost to Alabama that way. Clearly you're doing something good. When you lose to LSU this way, then you start, you not only lost, but you're like questioning some fundamental things that you thought you believed. Well, I mean, I guess there is an analogy to be made with a program that is, has the inside track right now on one of the four spots who lost it was in the playoffs last year, won the championship the year before that, and lost the year before that, and that's Clemson, right? Davis Winnie's been there ten years. This is eleventh season, and they were—I mean, literally there was a term coined for Clemsoning, Clemsoning yeah. for them um, until it wasn't anymore. And I, 
I don't know that maybe we do, maybe we don't. We certainly don't live in a world where if you only win one or two SEC championships in your first seven or eight years, um, but then you go five and seven or six and seven, your ninth year, maybe you don't survive that. But are we now to the point where we don't survive merely getting to the ACC championship game and losing, always losing the big game? I think if they make it, to, we are one thing the LSU loss does is if now you win the SEC East, right? It feels okay, right? Even, even, even if you get housed there, in the is, SEC there is a game. chance that you could face LSU again if they sure. played the way they That's, did no, on sure. Saturday. No sure. sure. And then, and, and I have to say, if you're asking me who I'd rather play in that game, uh, even LSU. Though we just watched LSU yes. wipe that up. Please yes. give me LSU. because we play them on a neutral side. Oh, yeah. well, it's the same as Auburn. It's the same Auburn. Yeah, game, I think right? I think yeah. it's a different game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. But uh, I think that's the question, though, is if they now this loss gives you the rebound possibility. Like, okay, you go out and you beat Florida, you beat Kentucky, you beat Auburn. They've recovered. They've adjusted. We'll roll the dice and take our chances in the SEC championship game. But you lose one of those. You get another trip to New Orleans if you lose it. Yeah, probably. So, (laughs) although uh, there there is always, I think there is now the possibility on the table that um, Ellish, the the whoever from the West does not. Um, who does not win it? Um, probably goes ahead. Goes ahead because oh. because what you, I mean, that doesn't mean we don't make the college football playoff. I mean, the the I think the, I the saw New Year's six. them bowl projected today playing NC State in the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl, yeah. yeah we, State's we, undefeated. We play them in in the Peach Bowl on like the twenty ninth. Uh, yeah, we be play, the Jim Donnan game. Oh yeah, or the Bill Dooley game. Um, we play them. Yeah, there there is a world out there where. If Georgia plays an SEC championship but loses it, we don't play in the Sugar Bowl. We play. We still. We're still in one of the those the, the New Year Six, but no, we don't play in, in, in Sugar Bowl. But we'll cross that bridge. We'll, we'll, listen, we'll have a chance to, to preview Florida uh, yeah. next week. Yes. But, yeah. Um, and look, Florida looked mortal for a while against Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah, they had a great win the week before. Against a team that just wiped us out. That just Philip Lodge pointed yep. out. Yep. Against a team that <laughs> against a team that just wiped us Did out. Did you see the the Bench clearing, yelling match well, between who, Grantham who and thought Grantham was going to jack, be a jackass in Nashville. You think you know a guy? <laughs> wow, yeah. And the, the, I mean, the quotes were great. It's, it's like Mason was like, "I love Dan. I, you know, I don't have a problem with Dan." And he, the whole time he was leaving and said about, "But Todd Grantham, <laughs> dot dot dot." Yeah. Um, well, that was you know the the thing that precipitated that was there was a crackback block where it was it, you know clearly targeting. It you. was, but. Five years ago, that was just what you would call an ear hole or crackback block. It was yeah. a totally legal hit, and I think Grantham lives in that that five year ago We're uh, world. Birds opposing coaches and do <laughs> he, he, he dropped players. an f bomb on him. You could clearly see it yeah, on TV. Of course, he did. Um, yeah, yeah we, there was a uh, for some reason there was well because this is what Florida fans do. They show up and ruin it. Um, <laughs> There was a, fired up this week. God, was a that was right before halftime, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a Florida fan at the tailgate, um, and he was like, "That's not, that's not targeting." I was like, "Dude, <laughs> this the definition of a defensive player and the definition of launching." He jumped off his feet and hit a guy running across the field from but from the side, not paying attention. You know, it's too bad that if that would have happened in the third quarter, their number eleven, their star linebacker, would have been out in the yeah, first right, half right. of Georgia. Well, that's the way it goes. Oh, no. oh, that's right. Listen, if you can't if you can't beat Florida. 
I, I do have to, I do speaking since we're on we're, we're on Grantham, I do love Zach Rowell's line, Todd Grantham's emotional blitzes. When he said that, I thought I was going to pee my pants. He is he's a writer for all and the, and the Valley Shook, and he was just like he made some comment about the Grantham emotional blitzes, and I was like. Oh, that's yeah. so perfect. I can't believe he was our coach for all this time, and I didn't. <laughs> I just missed that. So we'll, we'll get a chance to talk. We'll preview Florida next week. Yep. But I think this was our good talk through our I feel, feelings. I feel, I feel better. Yeah, we talked through our feelings, and we got to a place where now um, it's weird to be already be like, okay, listen, if we can just win the SEC East, we're going to be okay. Which is, I guess, two weeks ago, we're like, wait, is South Carolina the second best team in the SEC East? We no, they're not. Smoked. They're not the way. They are not. We do have games this week, though, yes, for yeah. the fun games. office pools. Uh, well, one, one thing before we get to the games, by the way, I want to say I ran into, uh, uh, I would say, multiple uh, waiting since last, last Saturday. Since last, what's the name of this podcast again? Yes. Waiting since last Saturday, uh, listeners, had a very nice conversation with two very nice people who, at the time, I was like, I'm going to remember their names because they're so awesome. They're and sweet. they drank a lot of bourbon. So if I saw, if you're the people listening, this lovely couple, very, very nice people, I had a very nice talk in like the kind of the corporate tailgates in the LSU area. I had a very wonderful time. They just, they, they recognized me by the sound of my voice. Really? Which means I talk too loud. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I, I had a very very lovely, lovely time talking to both of you. Please send us an email and remind me how. No, much don't email us. We never check that. Just send us a tweet. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and there were several. Um, there were several folks yeah. that uh, that you know wanted to get together, and we tried and just. Yeah. It, it, I wanted, I, I tried to get together with Ryan Skates, who wrote a terrific. Yeah, his game notes way, were great. His game notes this week were outstanding. Made basically made the argument if you were an alien or a Yankee, <laughs> dropped in the middle of nowhere, dropped in the middle of the South, what team would you root for? It would have to be LSU. Uh, the idea, I think his great joke was that, like, the rednecks speak French down there, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was wonderful. Yeah. So it was a very terrific, just a reminder, get the, get, other than the fact that he occasionally praises Clay Travis, um, oh. uh, you should get the poor man's game notes. Uh, it is really good stuff. All right. Uh, we're going to roll through this kind of uh, the, the silly part of the podcast. Actually, it's not silly. It's, not it's just it's just some of the notes that I prepare. So it's basically midweek or not midweek. It's midseason. Mm-hmm. I went through and gave grades to all the SEC teams. And I just want to hear a, just an impulse grade when I mention them. OK. All right. So uh, starting in the uh, let's start in the SEC West. We've got um, Bama. They're you know undefeated. They're seven and zero. I gave them a B plus. Are we, do, are we we're doing this to F four scale? No, just A B C and D. Okay, F whatever. Uh, I gave them a B plus because it's kind of like if you're that good, there's always room for improvement. And uh, plus, I didn't want to give them an A because that would just be kind of perpetuating the uh, the mystique of them. Mm. Um, grade on them, real quick. A. <laughs> a. What's higher than an A yeah, plus? I don't, plus? I don't think you can be the name. All right, these guys are killing it. Uh, Texas A and M gave up a lot of points again. Yeah. So A, just T- an A. Texas A&M, they're 5-2, and 3-1 and one in the SEC. I gave them an A because it's Jimbo's first year. They've had a couple tough losses. Are you a law school professor? <laughs> it's like, you I'm know what? on the curve. Right now, I feel like, eh, A. Yeah. No, I'm, I gave uh, Texas A&M an A because they're, they're still, I guess, technically in it in the West. They're, they're, they're in second place in the West, technically. Um, but... An A for them. What do y'all think? I'd give a B plus. I think they're better than you thought they would be. But that's how Alabama wiped them out pretty easily. Yeah, B plus. LSU six and one, three and one the ace the ACC three and one the SEC. I gave them an A plus. I mean, there's there's no <laughs> I'm way. I'm A minus just because they're going to wish they'd have had that Florida game back. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would say more like a B. B I mean, think plus. about what we were saying about Orgeron at the beginning of the season. 
Well, tough. right. I mean, if, if look, if we're grading them on what we thought they were going to be versus what they well, are, I mean, the, that's, the, that's the classes started in September, right? And, and, but everybody has zero then. Well, it's, it's also worth noting that two of their three big wins don't look very impressive now, Miami yeah. and Auburn, and hopefully yeah. the third one will eventually look impressive. Yes, quite impressive. <laughs> that's the scary part, right? Like, yeah. what if they're not actually that good? And hopefully, it is not. Citrus Bowl champion Georgia. I mean, did you see Miami this week? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw the I saw the box score. Um, they didn't score many points. Yes. Um, there's another team in the West that's five and two and one and two in the SEC, and that's Ole Miss. Ole Miss. I, I gave <laughs> still them a, not bowl eligible, by the way. Not bowl eligible. They're year. not bowl eligible, and they never will be. So the reason because of that, they're having a good season, but yet you're still disappointed in their actions. I gave them a D plus. <laughs> I'm giving them a solid B. Yeah, sure, B. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mississippi State, they're 5-2, and 1-2 and two in the SEC, C-. minus. You're so Who? hard. I don't understand. Mississippi State. They're 5-2. and two. Um, I'm going to give them a C plus because they, fine. they crap the we bed. They crap the bed in two games that they had no business crapping the bed in. They're, we don't, don't want to all be on the same I'll wavelength. Give them a B minus. B minus. Okay. Auburn. This is like Grierson and Leach. I'm like giving grades. This is fun. Auburn is four and three, one and three in the SEC. I gave them a participation trophy. <laughs> First <laughs> off, there is nothing wrong with participation trophies. For crying out loud, not everybody goes out and participates. You should get something for participating. Uh, I would give them a C minus. I think that's uh, D. Uh, Arkansas one and six, zero oh and four in the SEC. It's an F. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a D. I don't like to give Fs unless they've offended me in some way. But a D minus, and, and it's fine. Their entire season is just going to be known for that North Texas play. Yep. 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 All right. Um, Georgia six and one overall, four and one in the SEC. I gave them a C. I'd say B plus. I give them a B. Uh-huh. I wouldn't go as high as a B plus. I think it's. I think it's hard to argue that that it's not a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, uh, not just not just this LSU loss either. And the reason I give him a B plus, the way I look at it is this: is like let's let's assume we had an essay, right? You're you're writing essay, structurally really sound, really good logical connections, just didn't proofread. That's what we've seen. Mm, I like that. That's a good one. It's like you're teach something. Or something. I don't. I just like I fell asleep then. Florida six and one overall, four and one in the SEC has won five in a row after that Kentucky oh, loss. Got, I think you got to look at like an A minus right now. Like Florida's in a oh, good spot. But Florida, B, Florida B minus. Florida's an F and always will. Be. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Kentucky five and one overall, three and one in the SEC A. I, I, I'd go A minus just because they're going to feel that again, like with LSU, they're going to feel that loss. Like imagine how much they're losing their minds if they don't lose that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. They're having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they still can't throw the football very well. So did you uh, grade them B plus? Okay. Uh, South Carolina three and three overall. I don't know why I'm laughing. <clears throat> Two and three in the SEC D minus. Yeah, I'd give them a C minus. They definitely feel like the team that. Like we talked about, remember when we previewed that game, we were like, wow, this is South Carolina at their peak, and this is Georgia. Like, oh, wait, if this is South Carolina at their peak, maybe now Florida is getting good. Tennessee looks like they might have a little something going. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, Agent Muschamp, I'm kind of looking being like, wait, is everybody passing me now? Is, when, it, is when, it just Vandy? When do Florida and South Carolina play? In October, usually like around Halloween, because that one year they that's, wore the black that's when, jerseys. That's when we play Florida. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought she said Tennessee. Oh. I yeah. mean, it sounds similar. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious because um, I still think South Carolina has an upset in them. It's hard to say it would be Clemson, but I don't know. Yeah. But I still, still C-plus at the very best. Uh, Vanderbilt, 3-4, and 0-3 oh in the SEC. I gave them a C. 
Yeah, it's kind of where they should be. Their average. Yeah. And Missouri, they started three and zero. Now they're zero and three in the SEC. They're three and three overall. I gave them a D. They had all that momentum. Yeah, C minus. The the way I got this idea is that I don't know if you ever watched the guys that do SEC shorts on YouTube. No. They do this little production every week, and it's quite humorous. But they were giving midseason grades like they were in a classroom. Uh-huh. And the funniest part was the guy, and I'll show you the video when we're done because it's like two minutes long. But the funniest part is in the classroom, the guy's playing the South Carolina fan. It had four check marks, uh-huh. and it said, beat Georgia. And it was an X through. It said, beat uh, Kentucky, X through, beat uh, Missouri extra said play in mud check mark <laughs> it's good uh, so I would encourage y'all to go search up SEC shorts on YouTube all right um if you had to give a national coach of the year mid-season national coach of the year I'm gonna give you mine uh-huh. it'd have to be Tom Herman because the Longhorns are in the yeah, top 10 they've been point. kind of forgotten forever and they in Texas would also be my mid-season team of the year I think that's fair. That's, I mean, that's a good pick. I, I'm going to be the boring guy. I think it's Saban. Like this looks like an like this looks like a regular Alabama team, except fun. Like this, like this may be peak Alabama. Uh, I, I'm actually going to go with Saban. Um, I, since you picked Saban, I'll pick somebody else. I'm going to say Mike McIntyre at Colorado. The five and one, even though their schedule has been um, dicey, um, that they're five and one um, is pretty impressive considering how they have looked yeah uh disappointing coach of the midseason has to be gus malzahn he gets that contract of 49 million and right and kind of held their feet to the fire or hostage really to say i'm going to argue or jimmy sexton did yeah uh and with the 33 million dollar buyout um i mean auburn is what is their record they're four and three they just lost to tennessee tennessee had not won an sec game in two years so i'm going to put him as the disappointing coach of the year Mid-season. Um, I can, I can, I could go with that. I could also go with, um, you know, Clay Heltness at Southern Cal. Um, in, in maybe, maybe even Gundy. I don't who, know. Who's your, who's your pick? Gus. Miles on. I might go with Scott Frost. Okay, I know it's the first year, but zero and six, man. Like zero and six. He could be coaching Florida right now. I mean, zero and six. Like that is bad, man. And they were they knew this first year was going to be rough. Thank goodness Akron got rained. Don't out. they? Don't oh, they play Illinois coming up? They do. They do Illinois. I can't really talk about Illinois. <laughs> that, was a, that was not a fun game. Uh, All right, so that's just, your Illinois minute too. Yeah, that's so fine. that's fine. You can have it back. Your disappointing team of the mid year for me, it's Penn State. They were had everything going. They had the whiteout, and then they lose two games in a row. Yeah, and losing the game against a Michigan State team that doesn't look They great. didn't even look competent against Northwestern. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Go ahead. I have, I have my pick. I, I, I was thinking Nebraska. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's easy since you just said Scarfall. I but think still it, Nebraska. maybe it's Miami. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it's Miami, man. Like that is. Yeah, people, people thought they were going to challenge Clemson. Yeah, and now they look like, I mean, they lost to Virginia. Yeah. That's very bad. Yeah. Um, the biggest surprise team midseason for me is NC State because they're still undefeated. They're playing Clemson this week. And remember, Dave Doran is their coach. And Tennessee didn't really even want him. They, they kind of batted him away like a cat would a cat toy. And they kind of sent him back over there. And he's, he's doing well. Um, my most surprising team is, is, is probably Texas A&M right now. Um, I, just, I just didn't think 
I didn't think Chimbo was going. I didn't think they're what they had there fit what he likes to run very well. Um, but you have to give him credit. He he's done a pretty good job with it. I, mean, I think you can make an argument for Florida. I mean, they look like they're yeah. a top. They could be a top ten team right now. I don't think anybody thought Florida was going to be a yeah. top ten team. So um, the the last thing, and we've kind of already touched on this, but I wrote it down, so I figure we'll kind of do it. Um, the scenarios the rest of the way. The best case scenario for Georgia is it wins out and when goes to the college football playoff. Happens in the exactly. Yep. Um, the worst case scenario, in my opinion, you lose to Florida, which then Florida beats you twice because then you lose to Kentucky. And then who knows what could, ha- what could happen after that with uh, three losses in a row facing Auburn, who maybe they get some confidence back or something. That, to me, is the worst case scenario. Now, what I think is going to happen is like Clue, you know, where this is what really happened. Um, what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to be a hard-fought, super-close game, and it could go either way against Florida. A win, you could see them closing like they did last year. A loss, the worst-case scenario is in play. Um, I personally, is the way they're playing right now, and of course things change, I don't see them beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. I see them being at really what I think is probably going to happen. They're going to be 11-2. and two, And then I put, until Tony kind of educated me on the bowl scenario, I put that they'd be back in New Orleans playing versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl. I yeah. I mean, I think I think nine. I mean, I still think nine and three is on the table. I I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, the the ceiling is getting to the SEC championship game, and then what happens happens. I mean, honestly, the ceiling is you get the national you get the national championship game uh, and win it. I mean, that's still on the table. Now, I, anybody's like scoffs at that um, would have also scoffed at that notion after the Auburn game last year because, frankly, I was worried about the, the same thing. Um, I think what is most likely is we get back to the SEC championship game, um, whether that is at eleven and one or ten and two, um, is harder to say. I frankly think it's eleven and one, but I could be convinced otherwise next week. Um, and we lose to Alabama in play in you know the Chick Fil A or Sugar Bowl, which is frankly kind of what I thought we'd be at the beginning of the season anyway. Yeah. Listen, you get into the SEC championship game, this is this season is a success. I know yeah, it doesn't feel that way for a lot of people. I agree. But I think it should. Yep. So and worst case worst case you lose if you lose to Florida, Kentucky, I mean, it kind of really doesn't matter what happens in that game. Like it may matter in like maybe Kentucky will win or maybe not, but like this season is clearly not what you wanted it to be. Like the like you, well, sure, it's worse if they lose to Auburn and Georgia Tech. It's worse if they lose to Massachusetts. But the really worst case scenario is if you lose to Florida. Because remember, the win over Florida was not just, hey, we beat Florida. It was a, oh, we are so far ahead of you, Florida, that we are in a different stratosphere than you altogether. If you lose to Florida in the wake of this loss, you think people are freaking out now when you've got two weeks off in between? People will be losing their minds. I don't know, man. You beat Florida, then lose Kentucky, and Kentucky goes to Atlanta. <laughs> That's going to be. I, I mean, think losing to Florida is worse. Oh. You, you could say Kentucky is having like a year where everything's landing right for them. To lose to Florida after how definitively of a statement you made in that game last year, I feel like that's worse. But maybe we can talk about this next week. Yeah. I hope we don't have to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Before we get in our picks, we did get two podcast reviews in last week. uh, So I appreciate that. Uh, I'll go through these quickly. Title of it is Great UGA Podcast from JC Lawson 87. And he says, I thought my fervor and useless knowledge of UGA football was a bit concerning. 
until I listened to these guys and realized I'm not alone. Fantastic analysis and feels like you're just sitting in with some great friends talking Georgia football. Look forward to it every week, guys. Keep up the good work. That's a nice review. It is a nice review. And I'll say what Tony would say because he had to step out. Uh, he would say, J.C. Lawson, that just uh, warms my heart. This is why I do what I do by spending an hour and a half once a week coming over here and then struggling to dial in on my uh, Watkinsville <laughs> Internet. Uh, yes. Oh, here he comes. I was hey, just Tony? I was just speaking What's for up, you. Man? He, basically, we got a podcast review that said we're awesome and they enjoyed listening to it. My voice in particular. Thank you. It warms my heart. That you would say that <laughs> after all I do for an hour and a half a week to dial in also on Watkinsville Internet. Perfect. All right. And we got one more from PV Player 243, five star review, Masters of the Rabbit Trail. That was the title <laughs> of it. Wasn't sure where that was going. Uh, great podcast. I look forward to being able to get my UGA news and pre and post game analysis each week from the guys. They do a great job of getting the spirits high, no pun intended, for the fans, but they also give a fair and realistic view on. The games and the team. Sorry about that. I enjoy and laugh at the rabbit trails they go on that leads them off topic. It honestly makes the show more relaxed and enjoyable to listen to. Even though they do a good bit of research and planning, it just feels like three guys sitting around the table talking football, which is a good thing. Keep up the great work and go dogs. Signed, Will J. What's up, Will J? Will J, thank you. That's the, the rabbit trails are mostly whippets. So <laughs> thank you. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. The whippets. That's why we do it. Those <laughs> <That's why we laughs> are fun. We got the balloons over to the, in the corner. Chad's got the balloons right Chad. now. <laughs> Chad. I always say, okay, rabbit trail. Here we go. <laughs> like, I did whippets all the time in college. They, we, yeah, they used to go, they, they go in the basement in Urbana and there'd be like, a, there'd be that one idiot that had a tank and they'd just be sitting there the whole night. And you take a step back because whippets, I have to say, they do really give you like kind of a legitimate high. Because they kill like a shocking number of brain cells in a very short amount of time. And just to remind you, brain cells don't regenerate and don't come back. So I feel like Whippets is like the high equivalent of getting hit in the head with a mallet. <laughs> that's, so, that's why it's called dope, Will. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Other things don't at least murder your brain cells. Like you can you like that is literally what Whippets are. You, there are so many brain cells that are irreplaceable. We're going to yes. kill as many of them as possible at one in time. a short amount of time. Yeah. So you can giggle for Get 15 a four seconds. second high. <laughs> yeah. Um, Worth it. Y'all know a lot about whippets. I did. I, Urbana, Urbana, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Urbana I just whippets were everywhere back in the day. I just talked about Chad with the balloons over there. I have no idea why there are balloons to, in here. Get high. All right, so we're going to have to do this quickly because I'm on a clock because yeah, my gotta, son gotta, has a soccer this. game. Um, all right, Cincinnati at Temple. Cincinnati's undefeated. They're ranked number 20, and Temple's Temple. S- Cincinnati's only like a two-point favorite in this game. They're four-and-a-half. Four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Still give me Cincinnati. Uh, give me Cincinnati. Yeah. What's their mascot? Bearcat. Okay. Bearcats. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't pay attention to those guys. Um, Another undefeated team, NC State, I just mentioned them, travels to Clemson. Clemson's favored by 16 and a half. That seems low. I know everyone's very excited about North Carolina State, but Clemson Clemson sees the path now. I think they're going to stop them. Give me the Tigers. I think that guy that jumped on the pole pole is going to be there. Yeah. And uh, Clemson's still going to beat him. Yeah. All right, Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan is favored by a touchdown and a half. Yeah, Michigan looks like they're coming. Like they look like they've got something figured out. I think they win by more than that spread. 
Give me Michigan State. I didn't see the Michigan State game last week, but I saw them against Northwestern. I can't get that out of my head. So Northwestern I think is, has a clear path, by the way, to the Big Ten championship. That'd yeah, be amazing. They do. <laughs> yeah, they That'd do. That'd be amazing. Uh, Colorado at disappointing and sad Washington. Washington's favored by more than two touchdowns. Oh, give me, uh, give me Washington. They, give me Washington, but by less than two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. They, I don't think they cover. I'm, since I'm so far down in the rankings, i got to try to make up points. So I'm going to go with pick. Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Oregon at Washington State. Uh, this two, is basically a pick em. Yeah. Two five and one teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oregon's looking good. I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oregon, too. Give me the fight, Mike Leaches. There you go. Uh, Tulsa, who barely lost to South Florida last week. They are one and five. <laughs> goes to... One and six, Arkansas. Arkansas is actually favored. <laughs> this is the sad bowl, guys. This is the sad bowl. I'd like to note once again that Tulsa's, Tulsa, their nickname is the Golden Hurricane, but because it is impossible to personify a hurricane, their mascot is a tornado. Yes. <laughs> well, tornadoes are, are a part of hurricanes, I think. No, um, they they kind of are, might be like an offshoot. Yeah. Like they could be the Golden yeah. Rain Clouds. Yeah. Um, that's a so yeah, that, those two places are relatively close to each other mm-hmm. too. They're like two and a half hours. I, I might be. This, let's, uh, I'll pick Arkansas, but it would be more fun if Tulsa won. Yeah, I'll take Tulsa. I'm going to go with Tulsa as well. All right, uh, Memphis, who barely lost to Central Florida, reigning 2017 national champions, mm-hmm. uh, goes to Missouri. Another SEC out of conference. Missouri's favored by nine and a half. I go with Missouri. I have to say, if Memphis wins this game, all those like, wait, does Odom got this or not? Questions right. I think are going to come back. Pop back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Bill Connolly has argued that Memphis is a much better team than people than, than the record might show. I'll still pick Missouri, but I would be a little worried. I'm going to pick Missouri, but um, that's going to ruin the SEC East is back meme a lot, narrative a lot. You know who's excited this week is all those old Miss fans because Auburn comes to town and they are ready for them. They're going to score the points as. Although I mean, Auburn's favorite receivers is, is done. His career's done with a neck injury. Um, one of the receivers for Auburn. Oh, Miss, yeah. Um, yeah, give him Mississippi. I'm going to take Auburn, but I don't feel good about it. It's okay. As you should. <laughs> uh, see if LSU can uh, not fall for the trap game. Mississippi State rolls into Tiger Stadium, and LSU has Bama the week after. At Tiger Stadium? Yeah. You got three, what a three game stretch. It's a night game. We were team. like their warm up. Oh, it's a yeah. night game. It is a night game. I mean, it's 7 o'clock kickoff, right? right? right, right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's going to be no time in the bayou as the sun sets in the west and it's home. I don't know. Give me the Tigers. Yeah, I don't I'm know how believer. you pick against them. Yeah. I'm a believer. I kind of feel the same way. Uh, and then the last game, Vanderbilt at <laughs> SEC East tied leading Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's favored by 11.5. I don't see how Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt this year. Kentucky's on a roll. They're going to win. Yeah. High confidence Give pick. me Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky, but this does feel like a weird a game yeah. if Kentucky would fall in this It's a trap. No reason. Okay, last thing. Um, I've been going over how many undefeated teams there kind are. It's a the, lousy week, by the way. Oh, sure. Yeah, trust me. That's why Georgia took the I week look, off. I looked, at the poll, I looked at this a long time. <laughs> way longer than I should have to pick the 10 games. So there, there are now only eight undefeated teams in college football. Right. Um, both of the directional Florida schools, <laughs> NC State, Cincinnati, and then the top four in the country, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. My question for you, will there be an undefeated team at the end of the season? And if so, how many? I'm going to say no. 
Okay. Will there be a, an event? Oh, wait, well, I'll take that back. I'm forgetting about Alabama. Yeah, probably. Well, are you talking about after the championship? No, I'm saying like season? at the end of the regular season, will there be an undefeated team? And if so, how many? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I think there's going to be three. I think it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. I'm going to say yes and two, Alabama and Notre Dame. I'm going to say yes and four. I'm going to say Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Central Florida. Okay. Because Central Florida and, and South Florida play each other. So. Yep. Okay. One trivia question I wanted to think about for next week. Okay. okay. Look it up. Okay. Right. I want to think about for next week. There are 11 schools, Power 5 schools, 11 mm-hmm. Power 5 schools who have never hosted game day. Okay. Ooh. 11. 11 that have never hosted game day. I want you guys to come, come up with a list of five. We can't this look is, it up. Don't well, okay. you can, but that would I be won't. No I won't. But there have been 11 schools, unless you just want to play it now and try to guess them. Yeah, let's do it now because I don't think, do now, I, don't think I can hold off. Okay. okay. I know so, you're somewhere. Okay, first off, my first question Power five. Are, uh, how many are in the SEC? Um, Three. One. Zero. Oh. Every single SEC team has hosted a game Kentucky's day. Kentucky's hosted point. game day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Wow. I think they did just a couple years ago. Man. Did they really? Oh, yeah. I guess Kentucky mm-hmm. Louisville yeah. was a, a thing. So, uh, okay. So the next question, uh, how many Big Ten teams are there? We have, we have to get to 11, right? Mm-hmm. Three. Eight. Two. They are, can you guess them? Illinois. Oh, There's three. There's three. Four Illinois, three. Indiana. And Indiana has hosted. Indiana had it just last year when Ohio State was there. Uh, Illinois. Um, Illinois is one of them. Yeah. Maryland. Maryland is also one of them. Rutgers. Yeah. Rutgers hosted it. I'm sorry, there's four. Crap, I forgot Rutgers. I forget Rutgers in the Big Ten. Rutgers is hosted Rutgers. Okay. So Rutgers, Illinois, Maryland, and? Um, carry the one. Um, Iowa? Minnesota. Uh, that checks out. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Pac-12. I'm sorry, yeah, Pac-12. Um... Arizona. There's only one. Colorado. Nope. Utah. Nope. They've been to Utah. I remember that one. Oregon State. Cal. Cal is the correct answer. Oregon State's hosted. Cal the correct answer. They were good they, for they, I think they did uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Okay. Yeah, maybe so. Okay. Uh, Big 12. That means there's seven in the Big 12. Big 12. Right? There are one, two. Two in the Big 12. Um, Iowa State. Yes. Iowa State feels like they should well, they win in the Kansas. dark. Kansas, that's correct. Those yeah. two, and the rest is ACC. There are one, two, three, four, four ACC teams. Dagum. four ACC teams. Um, NC State, no. Georgia Tech, no. They've hosted. Have they? Okay. Yeah. I can't. Um, I couldn't. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell you who's in the Atlantic or Coastal in those things. Um, Boston College, no. Wow. Syracuse. Yes. You'd think they would with all the media with all people. The alums, yeah. They're just not very good. Well, plus no one wants to go there after October. Yeah. Right. Um Syracuse. Three more. Three uh, Syracuse. Duke. Duke is correct. Two more. Wake Forest. Three. One more. Virginia. Virginia. Virginia's never hosted. Lots one. of very fine people on both sides in Virginia. Uh, <laughs> and that is the last of the eleven. Wow. Okay. So, I'm better than you are. Of those eleven you are teams, better than me. I think Iowa State is the next to host one, and then I don't think anyone else is actually very close. I think UVA might be. Minnesota might be next. Mar- I mean, Maryland be the top ten team this yeah. year. Yeah, so. row the boat. Yeah. Otherwise, right. that was fun. Thank you for the pen. That was fun. All right, guys, that was um, 
Hopefully it was cathartic for you. It was. It was. I feel better. Feel, I just feel better. I finally got some of the things right. that have been ruminating about. And I think it's good that we did not do a post-game show. Oh, yeah. So we just saved it up for this one. Yeah, no. I remember walking out Sunday morning. I was like, I can't do this today. Yeah, I was so, afraid you were going to stick your iPhone was, in my face on the drive back. But I wasn't, I wasn't no. <laughs> that was something else. No, I didn't dare. I kept that thing in my pocket. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay, so all right. otherwise, uh, we'll be back for a Florida pregame show uh, next, next week sometime. Week. Yeah. Yep. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. I'd also like to thank the two listeners who left us those amazing podcast reviews. If anyone else would like to rate and review our show, the three of us would greatly appreciate it. Reviews actually help our show get ranked higher in the Apple podcast world. I'm not really sure how it works, but it just does. Not up for leaving a rating and review? No problem. Send us a tweet or a message on Facebook or even a DM on Instagram. And we'll get social that way. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. So it's an off week, a well-deserved off week for the team, coaches, and fans, podcasters. Well, we don't really take the week off, I guess. Enjoy your Saturday of carefree college football viewing. And we'll be back next week with our world's largest outdoor cocktail party preview show. That's right. We still call it that. It'll be the Dogs and the Gators on Saturday, October 27th in Jacksonville. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on campus in a few more weeks. And as always, go dogs.